0: Oh, uh, morning, guys. How are you guys doing so far? Great. This is awesome. Let's do this. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called Feeling Trapped, and we've been going through the life of a man named Job. Job is, he's, he's great. He's just got the easy life. Everybody looks at him, and they're like, man, I just want, I just want the Job blessing, right? No. Uh, I've been listening to Dan, Pastor Dan, preach. If you don't know Pastor Dan, he's right here in the front. Say Hi. I actually did the math. I've been listening to him preach for over a decade, but we're like at a decade and a half close, you know, right about there. And I would think that this series was probably his best one yet, if I was going to, you know, decide for, for everybody else. That's that's my go-to. Uh, so if you've missed any of the last four Sundays, I want to encourage you to go to yourwellchurch.org and listen to the podcast, because it's one of those series that it's like, there is something for Everybody, and it'll definitely give you a heart of, for our church and where we are right now, I think. Uh, part two of the series, I nicknamed it The Message the Devil Doesn't Want You to Hear. The reason being is because we record both services, okay? Both services recorded bad, and we could not use them. So I'm like, oh, this was a good message. We can't not have this readily accessible for the church. Uh, so through the power of prayer, the power of Macs and PCs working together, and the beautiful Google, uh, we were able to salvage that message. So I definitely think it's worth going back and listening at least to part two in that series. Uh, today's message is called "Feeling Rejected," so we're going to stay with that feelings trend. So if you're a note taker, that's the name: "Feeling Rejected." And the verse we're going to be, or the book of the Bible we're going to be in, is First Kings. So if you like to take notes and go back and look at it, First Kings. I'm going to apologize to you guys right away. I wish I could preach a lot more about 1 Kings. There's so much in there. So I'm going to encourage you guys to jot that down. Make that your daily devotions this week. Go through the book, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Uh, you won't regret it. So, my family and I have been going through an intense adventure lately uh, the adventure of selling and buying a home. It's pretty crazy. I've used the phrase nervous excited." I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of interesting moments. Uh, there's a lot of moments in this journey where you're shopping and then you're making offers and then you're negotiating and then you end up waiting and then you wait some more and you're waiting to find out if the other person has either accepted, which is nice, or rejected you, which isn't as fun, so Danielle and I, we made an offer on this one house. We really liked it. We're like, this is cool. We're going we're gonna to make an offer. And, and they rejected it. And they didn't even make a counteroffer. It's like, wow, was it something we said? It's hard not to take, like, personal offense to that. It's like, but we're a really nice family. You should be like, sure, come live in our old house. Anyways, I, I hate rejection. We always take it personally. I'm a big fan of sure things. You guys like sure things? Unfortunately, what I've heard is there's only two things that are sure things in life, and that's death and taxes. That's not exciting. Uh, so this experience reminded me of one of my favorite guys in the Bible, and his name is Elijah. When life falls apart, we can all identify with Job. But for me, when it comes to being rejected, I think of Elijah, and this, this is my guy. Uh, Elijah was no stranger to rejection. This is a guy that lived his life on the outside. Uh, here's a little bit about him. He's a prophet of God. And he lived about 900 years before Christ. And his job as prophet was to warn powerful nations that turning their backs on God and worshiping false gods was a dangerous game and a deadly sin. So, I mean, who wouldn't want that job? It sounds great. It's right up there with the guy that follows the elephant at the circus, scooping things up, you know? Just one of those, "Mm, that's the one I'm going to go to college for right there. And... (laughs) I started thinking about it. I'm like, so what's this guy's daily responsibilities? Oh, I tell people God is going to punish them if they don't stop being naughty. Oh, I don't think anybody's going to sign up for that. What, What could possibly go wrong having a job like that? Sounds like every day would be an easy day, right? But Elijah's ministry, it was about 24 years long, and he was surrounded by just some incredible miracles. He prayed that the rain would stop, and it stopped. He prayed for the dead to to rise, and they did. Uh, Not to mention his legendary showdown with the prophets of Baal where he called down fire from heaven. Yeah, when's the last time that happened in your prayer circle? Yeah, that's why the church has fire extinguishers, just in case somebody gets all Elijah in here. Uh, So he's seen God do some really, really impressive stuff and he's seen it not just from afar or heard about it but he's seen it up close and personal what i think about with the fire that came down from heaven you guys have been by a bonfire and you feel the heat he's felt that heat from god dropping fire okay so this is personal in his life but check out here check out one of the things that god told elijah this is in first kings chapter 17 verse 2 then the word of the lord came to elijah leave here Turn eastward and hide in the Careth ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. God straight up tells him exactly where to go, and not to worry, because he's commanded scavenger birds of all things to bring him food. You know, so you look up in the sky and you're like, Oh look, it must be dinner time, because here comes a big black bird with my happy meal. Unfortunately, these types of birds they steal, so there's probably no toy inside. But I wish God was always this clear about his direction and his provision. Like, direction's okay, but when you know there's provision there, you're like, oh, that's a little easier to jump into. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, man, if he was just like, Jason, go here at this time, I'll have dinner waiting for you. Every answer would be like, sure, God, no problem. What's next? So the journey of Elijah was epic, to say the least. At least I think it is for us that are reading about it from the outside. But can you imagine the toll that it took on him emotionally and physically? Like, it's great because we get to flip the pages and hear about it. But he's actually going through all of this. So I want to read First Kings 19. And we're going to spend a lot of time in First Kings 19. So if, if you get lost, that's probably where we're at. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. I don't know if I mentioned that but he killed over 800 bad guys with a sword. All right, this is a pretty tough dude, and you thought Jerome was tough. So back to, back to verse two. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So this is, you know, classic supervillain monologue. They're like, I'm gonna kill you. But what's really funny is she's swearing by these gods that... A few pages later, they didn't show up. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to worry. If you're going to bring those gods in, bring them in any time. So King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they served as leaders in the northern kingdom of Israel. King Ahab was an Israelite king who married Jezebel, who was a Sidonian woman, and became involved in worshiping Baal, the god of her people. So is Elijah a fan of this? You say no. All right, cool. So this is why they didn't get along, because Elijah had to tell them that what they were doing is wrong. Kings don't like hearing that. Could you imagine going into work on Monday and going up to the CEO and be like, hey, I just want to let you know I had a great weekend, and you're wrong. I mean, a lot of us would probably be like, I would love to do that, but I'm not going to do that. Elijah has to do that. So Elijah's ministry is a ministry of miracles, but these miracles come at a price. People didn't like what he had to say and not just didn't like it, they wanted him dead. Like, I hear what you're saying, I don't like it, I wish you were dead. That makes for a rough conversation, doesn't it? So even with all the awesomeness Elijah witnessed God do, this is his response. So we're going to go to verse 3. Elijah was afraid. So the guy that just called fire down from heaven, okay, that's who we're talking about, okay? Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed, prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under a bush, and he fell asleep. So how many of you are thinking in your head, like, that's exactly what I prayed last night? Well, but you've at least felt this way, right? This isn't, like, unfamiliar feelings Have you ever been scared and wanted to run and hide? Have you ever felt like you'd be better off dead? I think it's safe to say he's feeling pretty rejected right now. But you don't have to have people trying to kill you in order for you to feel this way. I remember being an apprentice electrician one time, and uh, I'd, I'd gotten laid off for the first time. And the reason I got laid off was because the job was slowing down and they didn't have enough work for everyone. I was heartbroken. I felt like I had done something wrong. Even though I was back to work the next day for a different company, being rejected didn't feel good. Now, I know this is silly in comparison to Elijah's situation. Nobody was trying to kill me. But to be honest, no matter what, I think just rejection hurts. Being on the outside while it seems like everyone else is on the inside can be a painful place. But let's keep reading. Let's see what happens next. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. I like this angel. I would love for an angel to wake me up every morning and be like, I got your breakfast. Get up and eat. And then you can go back to sleep. And I'll make more food. And then I'll wake you up when it's time. And then I'm going to tell you to get to work. All right. So so he got up, ate, and drank. And I think we all feel like we're at the end of our rope sometimes. Uh, and we could use a little snack from God, a little pick-me-up. So raise your hand right now if that's you and you're like, God, I could use a little PB&J from heaven. <laughs> so I just want you to know that God's PB&J, there's no allergies and there's no gluten, so you're safe. So if he brings it to you, don't even question it. You can trust him. But God's provision is for preparation. I want to say that again. God's provision is for preparation because God's not done with Elijah yet. Now, imagine Elijah's like, I'm done. And God's like, no, 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 eat up. We got to go. Now, I've seen a lot of people come into our church, and I just feel like they've spiritually limped in here. And they've been in similar condition as Elijah is right now. They've been scared, defeated, rejected. But I believe with all my heart that God's not even close to done with us yet. And I think for a lot of you, that's what you need to hear today is eat up. Come in here every Sunday morning and eat up because God's not done with you. You are here for a purpose. Thank you. <laughs> He's not even close to done with us. And every great leader that I know in this church, in this physical building right now, every single great leader I know has a rejection story. And I fullheartedly believe that there's a tide between those two. I would firmly say that being rejected has catapulted these people into be, into becoming great leaders. So picking back up in verse 8, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Something's going to happen here. There he went into a cave and he spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. And this is where I get stuck reading this because I've I got a weird mind. Remember a couple weeks ago, Dan was saying how funny he was in his head. I'm like, no, you're funny to me too. I have, (laughs) I got you. But I have these moments where I'm reading the Bible and then I get like a different voice in my head. Sometimes it's Samuel L. Jackson in there. Sometimes, you know, it's just different people. But I get to this, this is one of those spots where the Lord's about to speak. And he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I'm just like, how did he say that to him? Like, what are you doing here, Elijah? Or what are you doing here? You know, I mean, it's one of those things like, what's about to happen? God's asking, what are you doing here? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. All right. But if God asked you today, what are you doing here, what would you say? Now, I want you to just have that thought in your mind as we continue. In verse 11, it says, The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. So Elijah's like, yes, the big man's about to show up. Something good's about to happen, right? If God told you, hey, go over here because I'm about to show up, do you get excited? You're like, all right, we're going to get some answers. I'm going to have a talk with the boss. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. What? God, I just want to have a conversation. What's this wind doing here? But the Lord was not in the wind. I thought you told me to go here and this was going to happen. And After the wind, does God show up? No. There was an earthquake. Oh, yeah, let's settle the wind down and let's turn the earth to rubble here. Great. Then there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. What do you got next, God? Fire from heaven? Verse 12, after the earthquake earthquake came a fire. Of course. So there's a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So if Elijah wasn't frazzled enough at this point, he's probably having a full-blown panic attack now. You got one thing in mind, you're having a hard week, and all of a sudden, all these natural disasters take place. God says, I'm about to pass by you. And then Mother Nature throws a hissy fit. Personally, I think... This was God's moment of saying, I know things look bad. I don't have a blind eye. I'm watching you. But I want to remind you of who I am. I want you to see what I can do. So you're worried about somebody coming and killing you. But I just showed you that nature bows before me. I don't think you need to worry about Jezebel. I'm going to spoil it. Jezebel didn't kill him. In fact, nobody did. I'm going to leave it there, so you've got to look it up for yourself. But I think the wind and the earthquake and the fire got Elijah ready to listen because the next verse says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. And have you ever had to like clap your hands or make a really loud noise to get somebody's attention so they know you're about to talk because they're off somewhere else and you're like, hey, listen. How many of you did I just get? (laughs) I got myself, so don't worry. Our ears and our hearts need to be tuned in for the gentle whisper of God. And I think sometimes we need some outside circumstances making some serious noise so we can have that calm moment afterwards where, like, you know when the storm is over and it's, like, so quiet you can hear the quiet. I think that's where God needed to get Elijah so he could be like, all right, you're ready now. So here we are. Verse 13. When Elijah heard it. Oh, you know it's about to get good, right? He pulled his cloak over his face. I'm right with, you, right with you, Elijah. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I was like God, we already had this conversation. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put the prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I thought we discussed this, God. I don't know that I would be getting lippy like Elijah in this situation, but that's just him. So what we see from the outside looking in is Elijah saying, I'm the only one. As he's literally talking to God who just demonstrated his awesome power and God's like, yeah, you don't have any humans with you, but you have me. People have rejected you, but you've got me. Did you see what I just did? Let's go outside the cave and let's look around a little bit. The ground's flat. Winds blew the trees down. Fire scorched everything. I did that to get your attention, buddy. Because I'm on your side. I think sometimes we need to hear God say that. I'm on your side. In Elijah's eyes, though, nothing had changed. Elijah tells him, God, I'm doing my best for you. But I'm scared and I'm alone and powerful people want me dead. I want to ask you, is God making some noise in your life right now? Are you dealing with some storms, some earthquakes, and some fires? Is there a breeze blowing through? You're just like, I don't like that, God. I don't like what I'm seeing. It's funny to me that God asks, What are you doing here? Because it's a good question. Have you asked yourself lately, What am I doing here? Why are you sitting in that seat right now, hearing me ask you this question? Is it your love of God? Is it your curiosity about God? Maybe it's a habit or a routine, or maybe you're hiding or you're searching. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you're alone. We all have our reasons for being here, and it's okay, and we can be honest about those reasons. I think we need rejection to remove us from a situation and from the noise so we can remember why we're here and gain some clarity and direction and purpose. That's important. Sometimes we're missing those three things: clarity, direction, and purpose. But I want to leave all that right there for a minute, and we'll come back to it. Uh, I had a "What are you doing here?" moment when I was about 18 years old. I had applied for the electrical apprenticeship, and I did that because I needed direction in life and I needed a job. Anybody ever been in that situation? Like, I'll do anything at this point. And I needed something constructive to do with my life. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to just have. A normal job. I wanted to be like I'm contributing, all right. And a good friend of mine told me to become an electrician like him. And then he explained all the benefits of it. And I'm like, these are fantastic benefits because I was actually going to become a, a bricklayer at first. And he goes, Oh no 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 no, you're not a bricklayer. You're an electrician. I'm like, Sure. I'm 18. I got no. I got no will. <laughs> Whatever you say. So I filled out the application and I made it to the interview. So I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm 18, I walk into this room, and there's about 10 or 12 grown men, and these tables are spread out like this, and they're like, take a seat. <laughs> Hi guys. So I sit in the seat, and they're all there, and what ends up happening is they start asking me questions, and they're not like just friendly questions. They're kind of grilling me, and they're grilling me fast. So I have a guy ask a question here, and I find him, and I think I'm looking at the right guy, and he's asking me a question. I answer it, and the next guy over here is asking a question. I'm like... Who who am I looking at? Because I want to look at the right guy. So it was just back and forth, back and forth. And then there was a moment that came, and I was basically asked, what are you doing here? And I had no clue. I knew it. They knew it. I had no clue whatsoever. So while all my buddies that applied were getting their acceptance letters, I got to wait for a different kind of letter. Why does the rejection letter come later? Was I not important enough to get that info out to you right away? I'm kind of planning my life here. I'd like to know if I'm being chopped off. So if you have to send out rejection letters, hurry up on it. But I'll be honest, man, that hurt. Because one of my questions after that was, now what? You know, I was trying to build some life plans here. Now I'm, what's going on? And my favorite part, though, what really brought me some joy is everybody would ask, how'd the interview go? And I was like, oh, good, I got rejected. <laughs> What else you want to talk about? <laughs> a puppy died when I was little. Bring that up. <laughs> but nobody wants that part because you know that question is going to come. You're walking out of that office. It's like, i got to call my mom. Thank God there's no cell phones, really. So I got that whole drive home to think about. But what's funny is in that moment, that's when things started to clear up for me. I got a phone call not too long after that, and it was from a guy that worked for an electrical contractor. I'm like... I didn't get in. He goes, oh, I don't care. He wanted to interview me. I'm like, but I didn't get accepted. Doesn't matter. I got an interview for a job that I didn't apply for that paid about the same amount as the first-year apprentices were making. The job was delivering electrical supplies to job sites. It was awesome. This job taught me a lot about life as well as about electrical work, and it showed me just how lost I would have been if I had gotten accepted. Plus, I also made some pretty important connections and some friendships, and some of the guys that I actually met during that time attend here, which is kind of exciting to, you know, stand up here and think about. But I wouldn't have made those connections if I would have got accepted. I can honestly look back at that and say, that was the best rejection ever. I needed that rejection because a year later, I reapplied for the electrical apprenticeship, and I got the interview, and when I got the interview, I walked in with purpose, I walked in with knowledge, I walked in with confidence, and I got accepted. Because in those 365 days, I was on a crash course of what this journey was really going to look like. And, I, man, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how many things that were significant to the outside of electrical work. That part of my life, how much this affected that. I became the guy that knew Lake County. I was like the human map. Man, all I knew how to get to was Lakehurst at that point. But through this job, man, I went everywhere and anywhere, and people were like, how do you get from here to here and things like that? It was just really cool. But the verse that really helped me through this time was Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's one of them things God gave me that verse, and that kept reeling over and over, and I'm like, man, thank you, God, for the word. Uh, there's also a story about Michael Jordan and how he didn't make the varsity basketball team as a sophomore in high school. And his response was to work harder. His gym teacher said, Michael would be at school before I would. Every time I'd come in and open these doors, I'd hear the basketball. Fall, winter, summer. Most mornings, I even had to run him out of the gymnasium. So like he had to get booted out. So this this is what... You know, this was MJ's response, okay? And Michael said, it made me mad because I knew I was better than the guy that got picked over me. But you got to wonder, if he hadn't got rejected and made the team, would he have pushed to become one of the all-time greats? We have to think about that question. I believe good is the enemy of great, and he probably was good. And good was going to keep him from great because why work any harder because you're already good, right? But I believe this is one of those things where it was like, nope, you need to step it up. He was good, but that rejection pushed him to be great. And we can look at rejection a couple of ways. In my situation, rejection wasn't a no, it was a grow. I needed to learn more and gain more experience. And I believe, honestly, God was protecting me. In Michael Jordan's situation, it was a catalyst to work harder to earn it. It forced him to improve. So let's get back to Elijah's story and see how it ends. Now you remember, God was just asking him what he was doing there, and Elijah complained about his situation, as most of us would. God didn't ask him about his feelings, though. He asked him what he was doing. Not a feeling, but an action. What are you doing? So God told him what he should be doing. Doing. And we read that in verse 15. The Lord said to him, "Go back the way you came." Nobody likes getting rerouted back the way they came. You might want to be like, "God, are you sure? Maybe I can go that?" No. Go back the way you came. You got to retrace your steps to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. So his job's not over, right? Because he felt bad. You probably thought, I can just stop now. And God's like, no, no, no. Because you felt bad doesn't mean anything. It means you got to get back to work. we got things we have to do here. And here's the one I want you to listen to. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel I can't pronounce that word. Meola. <laughs> Go with that. To succeed you as prophet. What was that last part? to succeed you as prophet. Elijah's getting fired and he has to anoint his own replacement. Yeah, things are going good. Just, God just fired me. <laughs> but the good news is like I get to go tell the other guy he gets my job. <laughs> Great. If he wasn't feeling bad enough. But it wasn't rejection. It was help. Now we could look at this right off the bat and be like, "Oh, you got rejected." But it was help. God heard Elijah. He's hooking him up with help because he's not done with him yet. And this is not just any help, okay? You ever know someone that shows up and they say, hey, I'm here to help, but they end up making your job harder because they're lazy and you could tell they're only there because their mom told them to show up? All right, cool. This is, this is not Elisha. Elisha doesn't respond that way. Here's how Elisha shows up. Elisha was plowing his yoke of oxen, which means dude knows how to work. And Elijah shows up and he basically tells him, he's like, if you want to come with me, that's fine. You know, as you read it, it doesn't seem like he's too excited about this. He's like, eh, whatever. Oh, but Elisha, he straight up took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. It didn't become his replacement. He became his servant first. I think that's really important to hear. God sent him a servant. You got a free hired hand. And not just any hand. No, Elisha, or yeah, Elisha rejected his life as it was, and he jumped into Elijah's world both feet. Because let me tell you something, back then, if you had an ox and a plow, and you burned it, and you ate it, you couldn't go back to the store and get another one because you changed your mind. It wasn't like plows and ox are us. It wasn't like, oh, I'll just run up the road here. No, this is a one-and-done deal, man. When you have something like that, this is, this is extremely valuable equipment, Okay. So when what you do for a living is plow and you burn all your stuff, that means you are never going back. That's like signing on the dotted line. I'm done. So Elijah was feeling down and defeated and gets this servant that says, I'm all in with you, man. I got nothing to go back to. Let's do this. How would you feel right then and there? You're like, Where were you a month ago, dude? I mean, that's my gut instinct. A good friend said this phrase to me the other day, and I thought it was really appropriate for where we're at. Rejection doesn't equal failure, and failure doesn't equal defeated. Elijah was rejected, yes, but he was not defeated. Elijah continued on with God's work for a while longer, and when God took him to heaven, he passed his blessing on to Elisha, who was recorded as doing double the miracles that Elijah did. Elijah did a lot, but Elisha got to do twice as much. It's an amazing story, and I, like I said, I don't have time to go over all of it, but I want to encourage you, First and Second Kings, take a tour through it. It's in, it's in the Old Testament, really worth reading. But I want you to know, if you're feeling rejected, I want you to know that you're in good company. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, and he has become the cornerstone. The crowd chose a criminal over Jesus. One of his best friends denied even knowing Jesus, and the father had to turn his face away from Jesus. Jesus has experienced rejection, but through that has been able to change our eternal destiny. He was rejected for our blessing. So in closing, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and they're going to do one more song. But I just want to tell you, you may be feeling rejected, but I just want you to know, this is the most important thing I want you to know. God's not done with you yet. I want you to think about this. If Elijah quit when he felt like it, Elisha never would have gotten his chance. Wouldn't have had an opportunity to to do double the miracles. And we can look back at these stories, and it's just an amazing interaction with them and with God, and just seeing how it all unfolds. But we would have missed out on that whole chapter of the Bible. And just like Elijah, you're here for a reason. And maybe he's got someone waiting for you. He might have an Elisha waiting and you're just, you just need to take the right step forward. And there could be somebody that's like, I'm ready to give you a hand, dude. I just need you to ask me. Or you might be that person. And God's just saying, hang on just a little bit longer. I got somebody that I need you to help. But I think we need to open our hearts and minds to that and say, okay, God, I know it doesn't look like I want it to look right now, but I'm going to believe that you've got something amazing in store, and I need to just push just a little bit further. Or maybe your rejection is like mine. You've been rejected, but it's only for a season, and it's there to protect you and prepare you for what's in store. Or maybe you're the next Michael Jordan, and this rejection is what you need to drive you to step up your game from good to great. Maybe that was the thing you needed to hear to elevate from where you're at. Whatever it is, I know one thing, that God loves you, and he has a plan for you. We see that repeated throughout scripture. He loves you, and he's got a plan for you. And as you walk away this morning, that's the number one thing I want you to take away. God's not done with me. He's got a plan for me. There's a reason for me being here. But I just want to close in prayer, and I just want to encourage you guys... Think about some of those questions. What are you doing here? I want you to just think about life. Think about where you're at and just say, God, my heart's open. I'm open to you showing me what I'm doing here because it's not so clear to me right now.